I hope you've enjoyed the study and uh, hope you're learning a lot from it as we just sort of go slow and take our time and, and wrestle with some of the things that Paul is working with, right? So we're in uh, Galatians chapter 4 right now, and Pastor Rick worked with us yesterday in the concept of being a uh, child of God and how that is a ministry of the Holy Spirit, to be a child of God. And uh, so then we pick up in verse 8, okay? In verse 8 of Galatians chapter 4. And so there's a couple different lessons that uh, we're going to look at as Paul continues his, as uh, Dr. Thomas says, his stern letter to the Galatians. He calls it a stern letter. Uh, but then Paul, as we see in chapter 4, he's going to start to soften up a little bit and he's going to start to talk with the Galatians in a very emotional way. And it's really interesting because he kind of starts off the letter real fiery. And then by the time he gets to chapter 4, he starts to uh, relate to them in a very emotional, personal way. And so we'll get into that. But but first, it, as we follow this concept of being a child of God, um, through verse 7 of chapter 4, in verse 8, Paul picks up and says, Howbeit then, when you knew not God, you did service unto them which by nature are no gods. In other words, you were religious before you knew Christ but you were serving things that are not gods at all, man-made gods, things that are made up, right? But now, after you have known God, or rather are known of God, in other words, after now that you've come into the family of God, right? You desire again to be in bondage. You observe days and months and times and years referring to uh, sort of the cycle of, of the uh, Mosaic Law, where you had all the feasts and the festivals that you had to 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 do as a as a type of reverence for God, I'm afraid of you, or afraid for you, afraid of their spiritual welfare, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. Brethren, I beseech you, be as I am, for I am as you are. You have not injured me at all. So he begins to talk to the Galatians about how there was a time when they didn't know God. Now, all of us can relate to that, right? The pre, uh, some people uh, refer to it as pre, pre-JC years, you know, and things like, you know, they have these different ways of, 
referring to our life before we knew Christ. And all of us is, is different. You know, some of us have a testimony of our, our life before Christ was, you know, wild and crazy and we, you know, sinned and involved in debauchery and all of this. And then, but some people, their, their testimony of life before Christ was, uh, you know, I was just money hungry. Some people, it's, uh, I was full of legalism and, and rules and religiosity. Uh, you know, so everybody's testimony about life before Christ is different. But once you come to know Christ, right, Paul is saying, why would you want to go back? That doesn't make any sense. To him, I mean, Paul is sitting there thinking about his life before Christ. I mean, the guy was full. Uh, when, read uh, the book of Acts, you know, chapters uh, 7, 8, 9. Stephen was stoned. Paul standing there, happy about it. Beginning, you know, chapter 9 talks about how Paul was just going around trying to imprison and kill. I mean, the guy was full of hate for Christians, and he, he was trying to eradicate them. That, that, that was Paul before he met Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, right? And so he's thinking about that life, and he's thinking, Lord, have mercy, I... I would never want to go back to that. I, I was so unhappy. I thought I was doing something that God that pleased God, but I was just I was full of anger and bitterness and trying to kill people and why would I want to go back to something like that, right? So he's really bewildered by these Galatians because he's saying, Why would you want to go look for anything besides Jesus once you come into the family of God? And so he's talking about to them about this. And so, um, you see, uh, the Galatians are, are, are having to wrestle with what many Christians have to wrestle with. And that's that there's ever a temptation, and ever temptations will come in that try to pull us away from God. One way or another. Either, uh, a, either sins, and so you know, giving in or legalism, something will try to continuously pull us away from our first love, Jesus Christ. And so as Christians, we simply have to be aware of that. That that, that is something that we're going to have to deal with in this world. And so we have to ask God to help us to be wise. As Paul is encouraging the Galatians here to think about, now wait a second, let's consider... Uh, what was going on in your life? Okay, you were you were lost. You you had uh, no law, there, no connection to God at all. You lived as Gentiles, and I know, and 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 the temptation for them is not to go back to that life necessarily, but to go go to a life that's full of law. And to Paul. Both of those do not lead to freedom in Christ. He actually covers this in more detail in the book of Romans. If you read uh, Romans chapters 1 through 3, Paul lays out very clearly that both Gentiles and Jews were totally lost. And everybody needs Jesus. Right? So, so as he's talking to him about this, um, it's an important question to consider. Where do we stand in terms of Jesus? 
And are we dabbling in things that are pulling us away from Him? Whether it be law or whether it be sins of the past, are we giving some foot? Are we giving some ground to those things? And really, what do you believe? What are you serving? Because see, that's what Paul asked them there. You, you did serve gods that were not gods, and now that you know God, you want to go back into a life of bondage, not necessarily to a life of bondage to sin, but bondage to law that doesn't bring life. Both are a type or a form of bondage here. Okay? Is that, is that clear? Both are, so, so there's two sort of uh, primary infiltrations that the devil uses to pull us away from Christ. One is try to get us into a life of sin, and one is a life in bondage to law that does not profit salvation at all. So what are you giving your attention to in life? Okay, now this, so this is where I'm going. What gets your attention? What gets your time? Are you wasting your time with things that are worthless, that don't profit Christ at all? You know, there's all kinds of people and voices. I mean, the information age, suddenly the world got small and just anybody could say anything and there's just a flood of voices and information competing for your attention all the time right now. So more than ever, we have to decide what are we going to give our attention to? What really deserves our attention? And honestly, I, I just want to say that if, if, you're, if you're sort of getting into all that information and letting all those voices sort of rattle around in your head, some of them, you just got to turn them off. Because it's killing your mind and you can't think clearly. It's, it's disrupting your ability to see life from the perspective of God because there's too many voices in your head. The media, the, the social media... So Paul is helping the Galatians to understand that uh, really what they're about to go into is just another form of bondage. And so they won't be any better off than before they met Christ. In fact, they're going to be severely conflicted. Okay? Now, what are the, so what are the things that make us susceptible to this? Because here's what happens really. Okay? And let me personalize this. I've seen this many times. And everybody, almost everybody, every Christian can identify with this in some way, right? The progression usually goes something like this. You don't feel close to God, okay? You don't feel close to God. So when we start feeling far from God, we feel vulnerable, okay? So then we start to maybe exercise the spiritual disciplines that we've been taught that are supposed to help us feel close to God, right? Read your Bible, go to church, and pray. <laughs> Those are the three, you know, read the Bible, go to church, and pray. Now, as we do those, we find that we still aren't feeling, feeling as close to God as we want. And the things that we've been taught aren't working. So then suddenly we're vulnerable to well, maybe I am missing something. So then we start to look for what are other people saying they do to get close to God. And there it goes. 
We open ourselves up to something that is not the ministry of the Holy Spirit that testifies within us that we are a child of God. As Paul was saying in verses 1 through 7 of chapter 4 that Pastor Rick taught us yesterday, that if the ministry of the Holy Spirit is missing in our inner being, that you're a child of God, then what happens? You start to feel far from God. Well, maybe I'm not a child of God. You know, that happened to John Wesley. Honestly, that, that was his testimony. Those of you who know John Wesley, you know, he, he had a life, a, a faith that was intellectual, as he would say. It was, a, it was an ascent to intellectual beliefs. There was no heart in it. And he was failing in ministry. He met some Moravians on a boat one day. And then he goes to a meeting, a Moravian Bible study. He says, he says I very reluctantly went. <laughs> that was his, his phrasing. I, I didn't really want to go. But when he went, it was a communion service. And the Holy Spirit came in. And he said his heart was strangely warmed. And he felt sure that he was saved. His, the testimony of the Spirit came in. And he knew he was a child of God. And from that day on, everything changed. Because he knew he was a child of God. That distance that he had before was gone. Now, he was close to God. And the Spirit was ministering to him daily, reminding him that he's a child of God, that Jesus died on the cross for his sins. Now, do you have that ministry of the Holy Spirit going on in your life right now? See, the Galatians were, were having a hard time going after this and going after that because they didn't feel close to God. Okay. They didn't feel close enough. And so they, that, that allowed these Judaizers to come in and start to say, um, well, really, if you want to be closer to God, you've got to do this. You have to be circumcised and you have, to, you have to obey all the feasts and everything. And then you'll start to really feel close to God. And Paul is saying, no, that's actually a big fat lie. But see, when, when inside of us we don't have that, confidence that we are a child of God, that it really was finished on the cross, that I don't have to add anything. That's when we become vulnerable, susceptible, so we don't have an experience that ministry. When faith is treated as an intellectual exercise. Okay? Now, yes, we do have to study the Bible on a regular basis. We have to be in the Word. We have to be in a life of prayer. We have to be in community. Okay? But none of that replaces the voice of the Holy Spirit in the inner man. Okay? None of that replaces the voice of the Holy Spirit in the inner man. There's, there's a difference there. And that's what Paul was teaching us in uh, verses 1 through 7 as Pastor Rick helped us understand yesterday. And so then he's saying here, y'all want to go back because you, you don't feel close enough to God. That ministry of the Spirit is missing. Well, let's go on to the second one. Um, well, actually, before I move on, I think it's appropriate right now to stop for a second because, see, the, the Galatians were dealing with um, the idea of Jesus plus all these laws will get you saved. Okay? Jesus on the cross plus circumcision and whatever else will get you saved. Um, which is a type of false doctrine. But uh, there are other false doctrines that are out there 
Paul had to deal with some of those too. And and I and I thought as a pastor, I thought it would be appropriate to sort of mention some of these false doctrines that are in the church today. Okay, and so as I kind of thought about them, I realized that there was a guy who kind of beat me to it, <laughs> and which is which is great. And it, it's a guy that uh, he has an article on Christianity Today, and he wrote a book about it too. His name is Erwin uh, um, Outler or uh, something like that. And, and so he, he highlights five specific ones, and you might could come up with some other ones, but I thought these five were pretty good. And so uh, just as a pastoral exercise, I want you to be aware that these are in the church today, and we need to know what they are. First, of, first one, the gospel of permissive grace. The second one, the gospel of social justice. The gospel of new age spirituality. There are many paths to God. The gospel of my sexual preference. And the gospel of interfaith dialogue. So let's just mention these real quick because i got to get to the last part. So the gospel of permissive grace essentially says um, that, uh, rep- that repentance is not essential. Okay? That, that you can have grace without repentance. And so what we have is a lot of pastors who are preaching that God forgives all sins, okay, without, without challenging the congregation to come forth and repent of their sins. So what you have is a confused congregation because they begin to think that they're forgiven even though they haven't repented. <laughs> okay? And they keep doing it. <laughs> There's a comment in the room here. They keep doing it. Okay, so so you have a congregation that's confused. Now, this a lot, a lot of this comes just from, you know, the church has seemed very harsh over the years at, at times, and so there's a backlash to that, that, well, we don't want to seem harsh and, you know, judgmental, so let's start preaching uh, grace, which is great. Yes, we preach grace. We have to preach repentance. And we have to remind people that there has to be a conviction that we are sinful and that we are desperately in need of a, of, of a Savior. And so we have to repent of our sins. If we don't and we only preach that God forgives all sins, what happens is you have a confused congregation, a bunch of people sitting in the pews thinking they're saved and forgiven when they have not even repented. There's, there's been no conviction that their sins are wrong and then they need to come before God and ask for forgiveness and repent and ask God to help them to overcome their sins. Okay? So so that that's a gospel that's out there. One is the gospel of social justice. Um, and these are sort of my, you know, this, this, is, this is my take on it. Okay, this gospel is practiced when churches participate in social reform or humanitarian efforts and are convinced that in doing so, they are fulfilling their role as Christians. In other words, they don't preach the cross they just try to help people who are poor or who are sick. And that's their definition of the church. And if we're doing that, if we're doing humanitarian efforts, then we that's what Christianity is all about. And so there's no cross. There's no salvation. There's no healing. There's no altar ministry. It's simply social reform. Okay? Uh, that's happening today. There's a, there's a very large campus ministry close to us that is really getting into this idea of social justice and really what's happening is it's taking over the whole mindset of the congregation and they're forming their idea of Christianity based around uh, whether or not they think America is 
uh, racially just or not. That's how they're forming their idea of Christianity and, and the church. And it's really sad. But, you know, I think that God has a lot of grace and that's going to be overcome. I think it'll be short-lived over there. Um, the gospel of New Age spirituality, there are many paths to God, right? Once again, uh, that backlash that Christians are judgmental, okay? So let's not, let's not be too narrow-minded here and let's uh, consider the fact that maybe there are other ways to God. And all I'm, all I'm going to do is quote Jesus on this one, John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but by me. It's a very exclusive statement. It's not a harsh statement or judgmental. It is an exclusive statement, but it's not an unkind statement. In fact, Jesus is telling us exactly how to get to the Father. It's His grace that He's telling us how to get to God. Okay? There's only one way, but He tells us the way. So praise God. We don't have to make up other ways. It's not whatever we want. We can't make up our own path to God. God tells us how to get to Him. Praise God that in His grace He revealed that. Hallelujah. The gospel of my sexual preference. These are other gospels, by the way. Remind you, that's what we're in. Just other gospels that are in the church today that we have to be looking out for. I'm just trying to be a pastor here. Right? So, all I'm going to say about the gospel of my sexual preference is, is just uh, what Pastor Rick um, has been teaching us is that really, it, you know, we, we can't redefine sin. We have to... We have to hold the line and ask people to come into repentance in a way that is understanding that all you know um, all people have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So it's not that we are highlighting uh, some sins as worse than others, but we can't redefine sin. And then the gospel of interfaith dialogue. What's this one? Oh, let's be tolerant, right? Christians don't want to be intolerant and hardliners and harsh and hypocritical. So let's be tolerant of other people's spiritual experiences. You know, so maybe you can have a conversation with an Islamic guy or a Hindu guy. However, what's happening is churches are opening the pulpit for those people to come in and share their faith from the pulpit, their faith experience. And then we're supposed to consider that as maybe that's something that I can learn from. And that's dangerous. So those are five other Gospels. Lesson two to consider. Um, Paul here, then in verse 12 through 20, really starts to speak personally. And I'm going to, i got just a few minutes here. But I think this is really important. And, and so I want to get to it. Verse 13, you know how through infirmity of the flesh I preached the Gospel unto you at first. In my temptation, which was in my flesh, you despised not, nor rejected but received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. In other words, Paul's reminding them of, of how he came to be with them. It was a very human thing. He was sick. <laughs> you know? He had an infirmity that let, kept him there for a while. Where is then the blessedness you spoke of? Like, what's happened? Why, you know, you took me in so graciously. He's appealing to the personal relationship. For I bear you record that if, I have been, if it had been possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? In other words, why are you treating me this way? I loved you so much. I don't say the thing, I don't say the perfect thing all the time, but man, I really loved you guys, and you know I did. Why are you doing this to me? They, they zealously affect you, meaning the Judaizers, but not well. 
Yes, they would exclude you that you might affect them. But it is good to be zealously affected always in a good thing, but not only when I am present with you. In other words, if your decision about following Christ is based on me being there physically, then we got a problem. So he's challenging them to remember how the gospel came to them. Then he says, My little children, of whom I travail and birth again until Christ is formed in you, I desire to present with you now and to change my voice. I desire to be present with you now and change my voice, for I stand in doubt of you. In other words, he's really got a personal appeal here to say, I love you so much. I came to you as 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 a friend, as someone who just was caring for you, and, and, and I'm heartbroken over what's happening to you. Now, what's the takeaway I want you to get from this as a uh, as as a as a believer? Well, it's this. Consider the person and the relationship of those who you submit yourself to in discipleship. Consider the person and your relationship to that person. What do I mean by that? Well, you know, a lot of people say the right things. Very persuasive in their rhetoric, right? And they present these ironclad arguments. And they sound really good. But they might not be sent from God. They might not be sent from God. Uh, Jesus, Jesus says, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. And he says, You shall know them by their fruits. Now, fruits takes a little time to see it. So, if you hear a sermon, or you hear a preacher, and it just sounds so good, right? And they just their charisma just wraps you in. Uh, well, don't just swallow the whole thing right away. Fruits takes time for it to see. Fruits takes a little time. So, you've got to consider the person and their relationship to you. Because, you see... As, as Christians, if we open ourselves up to people uh, just any time, then we're creating an opportunity for the devil to move in because it could be a wolf in sheep's clothing. And we don't see it till it's too late. But see, you'll know them by the fruits. Now, I want to say something to you that might be just, just to help you think about this. All right, because Jesus says, "Beware of wolves in sheep's clothing." <laughs> but sometimes God will send you a sheep, and it'll look like a wolf. Okay, well, that's an interesting statement, right? Sometimes God will send you a sheep. In other words, God will send somebody straight from Him. Won't look like what you thought it would. Probably say all the wrong things instead of all the right things. Right but will be from God. That was actually John the Baptist. That was actually Jesus. That was actually Paul. As a matter of fact, it seems to me that a lot of times God sends the people that we don't think would be the leaders that we need in our life, but they are the leaders. Not because they say all the right things, but because their heart is in the right place. And see, Paul is saying, my heart is in the right place for you. These guys don't care about you. Uh, they sound good. They're say, I'm sure all their theology sounds... They probably have these ironclad arguments as to why you should be circumcised, Galatians. 
There's probably these ironclad arguments as to why you should read this book about Islam, as to why you should, you know, read this book about, uh, you know, the most current thinking on, uh, you know, the biblical approach to sexual preference. I mean, I'm just keeping it real with what's going on in the world today in the church, right? Really good arguments. But man, their heart's not for you. They want to shove their agenda on you. They have selfish ambition. They're, they're looking for money. They're looking for power. And so it takes a little time to know the fruits. But see, you can't look at the outside. And you can't, you can't judge just based on appearance. You have to give a little time to know if somebody's really sent from God. Well, I hope that you consider this idea that sometimes God sends you somebody that isn't, doesn't look the part, but their heart's in the right place. And if you look for the heart, then you'll see that they're from God. Be open to that, because God will do that. Read the Bible. God sent a lot of people that didn't look the part, said a lot of the wrong things, but they were sent from God and God used them because their heart was in the right place. Right? Read the Bible. It's over and over again. God is still doing that today. I hope you got a little bit out of this Bible study, took a few nuggets. I tried to really be pastoral and help you think about what are some of the pitfalls that are out there today? What are some of the... uh, other gospels, you know, because nobody's telling us to be circumcised these days, and for, unless you're in a, a pretty strict uh, religious setting, most mainstream churches are not trying to impose um, additional laws to be saved. Actually, it's it's the other other ones where it's a little too permissive, and we're just ignoring sin and we're not preaching repentance, right? And then also. I hope you learned something about considering who you are letting into uh, your leadership sphere as somebody that you're going to accept as, a, as somebody who disciples you. Who, who are you letting in? Don't assume that just because they have the perfect argument and all their rhetoric is, is just right that that's somebody that God sent to you. Consider that sometimes God's going to send you somebody that really says the wrong things, but the heart's in the right place. So that's the person God's going to use in the end. Okay? All right. Y'all have a great day. Stay tuned because there's a really good teaching for Pastor Rick coming up uh, right after me and lots of other great teachings. We'll see you. Uh, we'll see you soon. Senhor, eu vejo o mundo triste, atribulado pela ação de Satanás. Clamando no Correndo e olhando para trás E eu o vejo de coração aberto 
Que nunca 